Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Weekends were made for sports. Now do the robot voice. I want to hear it again. Meet more, sir. Robot. That's a terrible robot voice. A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. Everyone, meet freelance alien bounty hunter, Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp? The football guy? Yeah, I hunt aliens now. Used to catch TDs, now I catch ETs. You ever caught an alien, Shannon? Not yet, Mr. Question, but I'll let you know when I do. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. Where are the turtles? Where are the turtles? Come on, guys, get out of here. Where are the turtles? And Rashad Taylor. Nobody calls me Lebowski. You got the wrong guy. I'm the dude, man. On 1080 The Fan. Hour two of two here on Sort of Sports Sunday. Mike and Jesse with you today. Rashad is out. Should be back next week. Coming up this hour, we will have Hater or Love it coming up at 1030. Also want to talk about the three free agents who are still there in the NFL that are all big names and are all very, very interesting players. We'll get to that next. But I wanted to start with uh, game zero. This was in uh, the Oregonian. I believe it's just an Associated Press article, but the or- Oregon Live posted it, and I thought it was fascinating. I had no idea about this game in particular and why people think it was the basically ground zero for Italy and Spain's coronavirus pandemic. So I'm not sure if you remember, and if you don't pay attention to soccer, you probably didn't see this at all. But when this was starting to spread, some games were played in front of no fans. Some games were still being played in front of fans, but it was on that weird border of like before everything got shut down, everyone was kind of making their own decisions and um, this decision was in Italy. The team is Atalanta, and they were playing in Milan, which is in Bergamo, which is like the region or the the county or the state or whatever you want to call it in Italy, which has become the epicenter in Italy of the outbreak. Um, this was Atalanta's biggest game in their team history. They were in the knockout round in the Champions League. They were being visited by a Spanish club called Valencia, And they were playing not at their own stadium, which was small. They were playing at San Siro, which is a really famous stadium in Milan where both AC and Inter Milan play their games. Uh, It fits up to 40 to 50,000 people. It's a really big uh, stadium. And it was the biggest game in their history. The stadium was sold out. There were 2,500 fans from Valencia that also came to watch it. And Atalanta won 4-1. to So not only was it the biggest game in the team's history and all the fans showed up in a, in a country where kissing and on the cheeks and lots of touching and, and, you know, really joyous celebration in Italy, their team scored four goals and won the game. So every time there was a goal, you can imagine the spread of the virus. 
right? The virus was already there. It was already in Italy. Um, and it was just before it was the game happened on February 19th. And it was two days before the first positive test in Italy happened, which means it had already been in Italy for up to two weeks, but it was two days before. And basically they're saying they're calling this game zero. This was the game where the spread in, in Italy and Spain, two of the worst hit countries in Europe began. And it's because they didn't know the seriousness of it. They didn't know, you know, not to put all the people, you know, there um, the consequences of it are, or the circumstances of it, excuse me, are, are unlucky too. You know, they played it in a bigger stadium than is their home stadium and biggest game in that club's history, right? Atlanta had never been that far ever in the champions league. I think it was actually their first time ever in the champions league. So all of these circumstances lead to massive celebration and groups of people and all in a place that was obviously clearly not ready to deal with something like this in Italy. And here we go. Now, well, now that region has become hotspot number one in, in Europe. And you got to imagine it's, I mean, obviously that's probably ground zero of everything, but the, well, China's one of those things where, um, well, as far as in, in Italy, right? Yeah. Um, but it's all the people that socially gather, they didn't go to the game, but they went to the bar or they went to the pub or whatever you want to call it there. The restaurants, wherever it is that they go to wa watch it in a public venue, they're doing exactly the same thing. And it's because it's such a big game, there's probably more people than normal in those places doing exactly the same thing and all of a sudden you see italy just explodes in in, in an and epidemic and, and the question was why right remember when it happened it was like italy and it was like why italy right and people were like i thought you had to you know you had to know someone from china but the people who tested positive had no connection to that region at all they hadn't traveled from there and that's when the the os moment started of like oh god it's happening and they're they're claiming this game was the reason why it got so bad in Italy. Thirty five percent of Valencia's team was infected um, after this game, and as this is from earlier this week. So as of Tuesday, seven thousand people in the province of Bergamo had tested positive for COVID nineteen. More than one thousand people had died, making Bergamo the most uh, deadly province in all of Italy for the pandemic. Uh, the Valencia region had more than 2,600 people infected. So just because they traveled from the game back and forth, they brought it to Spain. And here we are in Italy with that province being the most affected in the entire or in the entire country, all because of sports. And that's, and that's why the shutting down of sports is so important. And that's why I was questioning what the NFL was doing with the draft and the weird dictator line from Good uh, Roger Goodell about you can't go against us or you're going to be punished is one game, 40,000 people, one game. Again, not, I mean, that's not for sure, but essentially caused an outbreak in two different countries, a serious outbreak in two different countries. Spain is also having a really tough time with the outbreak. And the NFL is like, oh, well, you know, We'll have the draft and we'll do this still. That's where you're like, come on. Like that sports is like the number one place that this could spread to the maximum amount of people. 
I mean, there are places that obviously it can spread worse. I mean, going to a gym or places where there's there's an ability to be near people and and sweat and spit and all that kind of stuff. But that's still a limit of like how many people are at the gym at the same time. Right. Like 50, 100. It's like sports concerts. Like those are where right. you have people of like 20,000. The plus tool people. concert that happened in Portland the day before everything kind of went to ass. They still there was that thought of like, well, things are about to get shut down. But the tool concert went on. I mean, so far, I mean, some of it might just be because we don't have a lot of testing in the state, but it doesn't seem like Oregon's been hit that bad. But was that concert an impetus in this region for a, a mini boom of cases? We don't know, right? Right. I mean, it probably was, if we're being honest. I mean, Tool is a huge band, and it was, it was packed. Um, that was probably a, a really, really stupid decision by the band at that point, or, or by the venue or the city or whoever made the decision to keep that going. But we, we at that point weren't taking it a thousand percent seriously because we were like, Oh, well it's like the flu. And we had all these excuses for why we still could do things. Uh, and I was included in that as well. Um, but it's just those kind of things cannot come back until we are a hundred percent sure that it's not going to cause another massive spread of this. They just can't um, maybe in front of no fans, maybe, but that's still putting a lot of people at risk because you're still putting the players and the staffs and the arena staffs and stuff in place all in one place if it's not ready to be cured or or the spread is slow enough where it's it's better. Or I, I don't know. Like I said, I, I'm not the most well-versed on this. I don't want to sound like an idiot on it. I'm just I, – I don't know what the right word to say with that is, but until there's a point where people say it's okay to go out again, we should not be – going to sporting events right because look at what happened in italy well that's kind it's of the just whole the point of the story whether you know and then it's that we can go out but should we still be doing the going out and getting together in twenty thousand groups of twenty thousand people um when we don't have a vaccine yet and like you said like the i think the best 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 case scenario i've heard is nine months on a vaccine um for trials that they've already started and that's like super best best case scenario um, and you're more realistic about, you know, more like 12 months out. I That is probably the number one reason why you could see sporting events not going on for, you know, this coming season or football being canceled, college football being canceled, where, yeah, sure, it's not an epidemic right now, but it's still out there and we still can't stop it. So is it wise to start doing business as usual for everything and that basically being everything being getting together in groups of 20,000 people, 100,000 people to go watch sporting events. Probably a bad idea. Someone texted in and said there weren't big soccer games elsewhere. Question mark. Well, some of those soccer games were played in front of no fans. Uh, certain countries had made the decision and certain teams had made the decision to play in front of no fans. And, um, but some, some didn't, I mean, this is, this is a new story because Italy is the number one place of the outbreak in, in Europe, and this game is being tied to it because of the specific places where both of the fans are from being huge centers of the outbreak. But a lot of the games that were going on around the same time, I'm just looking at the schedule here, um, were you know early to mid-February. Some weren't played, first of all. Some got postponed. Uh, and the others were played in front of no fans. Um, so, yeah, attendance. I'm just looking here. Attendance zero, attendance zero. Some places had fans. This one 
February 25th, 36,000 fans. That was in London. That was before England made the decision to to shut down. But a lot of them had been played in front of no fans at that point. So it it's it's just an example, an interesting example, a sad example of of how one simple thing, like a soccer match, could have been as devastating as it was. All right, coming up next, three NFL players, still free agents. Don't know why. They're all pretty good. Where will they land and what's their what's their situation moving forward? That's next here on Sort of Sports Sunday on the fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 1019 here on a sort of Sports Sunday. Rashad's out. Just Mike and Jesse today taking you to 11 o'clock. Hater Lovett's coming up at 1030. And uh, this is going around the internet this morning, and I've already partaken on Twitter. The four video games that define or defined you uh, as a person. And uh, so I tweeted at Mike Lynch 27. I tweeted the pictures of the four of mine, and we'll get to that uh, in the last segment of the show. If you have any of yours, feel free to send them into the fan text line at 55305. Also, we got to get caught up on the TV shows that were sent in earlier for what we're going to be watching uh, as we are stuck in our homes (laughs) for the foreseeable future. But there is some sports that we've been talking about today, and that will include this segment as there are three Big name players that are still free agents in the NFL who have not been signed. One, Cam Newton. Two, Jameis Winston. Three, Jadeveon Clowney. All former number one picks, correct? Yeah. Um, All free agents. Yeah. And currently, not a lot of buzz around any of them. And I saw this today. The Chargers have moved in to be very strong favorites to land Cam Newton, according to um, one of the betting services out there. Also on the list, the Jags, the Dolphins, the Broncos, the Pats, and the Redskins. Um, There were reports a week ago that the Seahawks were close to offering Clowney a deal, and I guess that fell through because he's still a free agent. No one seems to want him. And then Winston's interesting because I think he's going to have to be a backup for a year or two. So I think that's probably putting a little bit on hold because he probably still wants to be a starter, I would imagine. Right. But I kind of want to start with Cam, though, because Cam coming off the foot injury, the Liz Frank injury, as well as the you know continued recovery from his massive shoulder surgery, where we don't really think he's much of the same quarterback anymore because he can't throw the ball as far. He's not as mobile anymore because he's been hurt a lot. And he's never been accurate. But he's an MVP winner, has made a Super Bowl, and is better than a lot of the quarterbacks in the league right now. Do you think Cam Newton has anything left in the tank for whatever new team he signs on? Because I think he's probably going to sign on to be a starter, first of all, especially if you think about the Chargers being the number one team odds-wise, he would win the job over Tyrod Taylor. So do you think Cam Newton's got anything left? Because I don't. <laughs> no, I, I, I think his number one asset when he was an MVP was his ability to go out there and get three to four yards, no matter what any down. And, and with that, and score on the goal line, no matter what. Exactly. And it just made the ability to move the ball and stop that offense uh, virtually impossible. And we, and we saw that, you know, Super Bowl 50 season when 
what they lost two games that season, like up up until the Super Bowl, they, that yep. that team was virtually unstoppable um, because of Cam Newton and his ability to move the ball with his legs. Now he had a strong arm, but he's never been accurate. It, he's not a guy that's going to slice you and dice you in a West Coast offense. Um, he does have in that respect. If you went to LA, he does have a good receiver on the outside down the field. If you want to like try tossing it down the field with that guy, he does hit the tight end pretty well. Cause that was the one player that was consistent in the passing game. And you do have a consistent guy in Hunter Henry. I just don't think that just think about the stable of quarterbacks, what, what you have there and what they're thinking about bringing in. And they're the number one connection for Justin Herbert, the, the landing spot for Justin Herbert. And is that the guy that you want starting in front of Herbert and him eventually surplanting? Do you want the, do you, do you really want that headache? Honestly, I, it, to me, it's like best case scenario is he plays out of his mind. And now you have Justin Herbert and this guy who's playing out of his mind. And now you've wasted a pick on Justin Herbert. Well, that could be a good thing though. It's a good problem to have, right. To have Cam Newton and a good backup ready to go. I mean, it might, Maybe it takes, I, I think, I don't know if you agree with this, Jesse, but a lot of people here agree that Herbert's going to need a little bit of time to really kind of work out some of the kinks in his game to to become an NFL-level starting quarterback. He's got a lot of skill, obviously, and a lot of potential, but there's still some things that there's there's still some worry. That's not the worst thing to have two good quarterbacks ready to go um, because Cam Newton's playing well, and then you, you're, you're working with Justin Herbert to become a starting quarterback. That's not terrible. No, I don't think it's terrible, but I, I think you already have a plan in place and in Tyrod Taylor, and he's a guy. Let, let, let's face it. Out, outside of Josh Allen, there's only been one guy to take the Bills to the playoffs in, like, the last two decades, and that's that's Tyrod Taylor. Like, he is a guy that is – he's – He's not a great quarterback. He's not an elite quarterback. I, he's not a top 15 quarterback, he, he, but he is a guy. He's perfectly average. He's he's perfectly average. I, I said this last week about, about you know, Ryan Tannehill. I, I, per, per, perfectly average, you ask me. But it, in the right offense, in the, in the right system, it, and with the ability of you want somebody who eventually you want your draft pick to be able to supplant, Tyrod Taylor's perfect for that. He's the perfect placeholder. Whereas when you when you, when you when you talked about how the Broncos were a connection, that right there is like just a nightmare scenario of, of in the locker room. We're talking about in the locker room. Are you are you sure though? Because yes. Cam Newton is beloved in the locker room. No, if, did you I, watch the All or Nothing with the Panthers on Amazon? I, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about with your quarterback situation okay, in the okay. locker room. I was going to say, because Cam is, by all accounts, he's actually like a good teammate. People yeah, like sure. to be around him. He's sure. charismatic. He kind of draws people in. So, Yeah, yeah no, I, I'm talking about when you, when you have a, when you bring in somebody, whether he's supposed to be the guy to start or he's just, he's, a, he's drafted to be the guy, you don't want guys around him that make him question himself. Right. And that's, that's why you don't bring in a guy like that to the Denver Broncos is you don't want Drew Locke going, oh man, looking over my shoulder, there's somebody behind me. And as long as Cam Newton's on that roster, there's always a guy that's going to be looking behind his shoulder at Cam Newton, you know, just, just because he's Cam Newton, former Heisman winner, first overall pick, league MVP, been to a Super Bowl, blah, blah, blah. And he could play, be playing like junk, but he's still all of those things in the past, and he's still somebody that makes you look over your shoulder. Tyrod Taylor makes you do none of that. Jameis Winston, the other quarterback still out there, the talk for him has been backup 
is that he's going to have to go be a backup before he gets a starting job back again. And I forget who said this. I remember seeing it and going, that's a perfect situation is Pittsburgh. Ben Roethlisberger close to being done. Maybe a year left, maybe two years left. Mike Tomlin, good head coach keeps the locker room in order for the most part. I mean, hell, he was able to control Antonio Brown for most of his career. It's a pretty good thing. And last year, with what Tomlin did with so little, really kind of woke everybody up to, well, not everybody, but I woke a lot of people up to, wow, Tomlin's a way better coach than I gave him credit for. I think that'd be a great situation for Jameis Winston. So here's the thing with Winston, right? Everyone makes fun of him. He's the, you know, crab legs and the eat the eat the winds and all the weird things, um, you know, he thinks he's like Cam Newton with people drawn to him where he's not really. I don't think a lot of people are drawn to Jameis Winston. However, he's really good, minus the interceptions. He threw for 30 touchdowns last year. What is it, 3,000, 4,000 yards passing. He's oh, good. He led the league in passing yeah, last year. He's, yeah. he's good, yeah. but just bad at making decisions. Maybe you will never get that out of him. Maybe. But he's still really good. So get, bringing him in to be a backup and trying to see if instead of, you know, Tampa being the team that's working with him, maybe a change of scenario, a change of scenery. He's not so close to home. Remember, he grew up in Bama, went to school in Florida. Um, there were some concerns about him being close to home and not being able to kind of break away from that mindset. You know, maybe he can go to Pittsburgh and he's he's somewhere else or, you know, you can name whatever team you want. And he's able to kind of limit those mistakes enough to where he actually becomes a really valuable quarterback again. Because that's the thing with Winston. It's, it's similar with Mariota. They both need to go be backups. Mariota will be uh, with, with the Raiders. Um, and he has a chance to supplant Derek Carr at some point during the future. Give Winston that same chance because both of them are good. They just need to have that change of scenery to see if they can figure out the problems that they've had. I'm pretty high on Winston as a backup. And if he can figure that out, I think he'd actually be a really good fit for a place like Pittsburgh. The quarterback I, who's close to leaving. I've said so so many things about Winston. He's a, he's just such an interesting player in the respect that I don't know if I've ever seen anybody that does such amazing things that nobody wants in the league. Like literally, it just seems like nobody really wants this guy, and it's because he threw thirty interceptions and. And in, in, and let's just take it in a step further that probably 40% of those interceptions came in the first quarter. Like he's just not just that he throws 30 interceptions, that a majority of those interceptions put his team behind from the beginning of the game. And that, and that, because uh, in reality, I would say probably 30% of his inter- interceptions probably come in the second half uh, of, of the game because he's typically putting up his huge numbers in the second half and he's not throwing typically as many interceptions in the second half. It's very strange his turnover ratios and and where his turnovers come in the game. Um, Because typically if you have that many interceptions, you're not in as many games and don't have as good of a record as Jameis Winston. But the fact is is that those turnovers come in the first half. It's it's very, very weird breakdown, but he has all the tools, all the skills. It's just connecting whatever it is that needs to be connected in between the ears and whether that's the LASIK vision, you know, which he did get, this which he did get and maybe, maybe he, cause he, it, it is really interesting when you look at him, he is out there squinting all a the lot, time. all the time, all the time. <laughs> so it, it's very strange. Like it does look like he can't see out there and maybe that is going to be a huge difference, which would be hilarious, <laughs> but I mean, 
What, what a terrible decision not to get that done earlier if you're Jameis Winston, if that's actually what fixes your problem. Right? And what better place? Uh, honestly, I think what Or is better it more place? amazing that he still threw for 30 touchdowns when he can't and see? And 5,000 yards when he can't see. Yeah. What can he do if he could see? <laughs> uh, but but Pittsburgh, like the, the ability to go in there, the one thing he never really got to do, learn from a pro's pro. Right. And, and uh, although the, hasn't Big Ben said that he doesn't want to help the guy. He doesn't want to help. Him. But that there's you know what? That there it's not you don't need Ben to come in and teach you how to read a defense and how to do this. All you need to do is you need to watch and see what Ben does to be to what makes Ben Ben. Right. Like what what took this guy who was hey, he was pretty good. He was pretty good when he came out. But every year got better to the point where he he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league. What what is he doing that allows him to improve? Because Jameis came in, he did great things, but he never hit that improvement. You just kind of saw him and come in and do these things. You're like, wow, man! If he once he improves, but he never improved. He just kept doing the same stuff. And so it's finding that you thought Bruce Arians might be able to do it. I think it might be a combination of you find somebody who knows like. That's the nice thing about a guy like Jameis Winston. You don't need him to be there and teach Jameis Winston. He's been a starter for five years. It's what made Ben Roethlisberger. You can watch that. Yeah. That stuff you can watch. Uh, and then the final one, and we'll do this quickly because we got a break, is Jadeveon Clowney, who last year for the Seahawks statistically didn't make a huge impact, but when you watched the games, made a pretty big impact. He was good on the defensive line for them there. He really... Once he once he was acquired from the Texans, he 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 was good for the Seahawks. He was a, he was an important part of their pass rush, but they're not re-signing him, even though there was a report or a rumor out that they were close to doing it about a week ago. He's still a free agent, also a former number one pick. I'd say he's got the most question marks of the of the three guys on on this list. I mean, he's younger, he's healthier, he's got more potential, but he's been an incredibly inconsistent performer throughout his entire career. He's either amazing or he disappears, and. But with that, I still have the question of not one team is willing to sign Clowney and the Seahawks haven't committed to bringing him back yet. What's wrong? There's something there's something up with that, because I would think at this point, Seattle would just resign him and say, of course, we'll have you back. You were you were good for us in a lot of games last year, but they haven't. And I'm, I, I don't know why I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure I understand why he's still out there. My guess is that he's still probably overvaluing what he thinks he should get paid. When you when you think about it, when no teams want you, and granted, I, I think Jadavian Clowney is a guy that requires a very specific offense or defensive style, like a scheme to run in. He needs a a very specific type of coach to work with. But you bring those things together, you have a player that can be extremely productive on your defensive line. Uh, the question is, you know, can you get those things to mash up with people that are willing to want to pay him what he wants as well? And and when you have a player out there that has the resume that he has, they're, they're always scooped up at some point. It, it just typically, the longer it takes, is mostly that they want more money than what teams are willing to pay. And until I think he's willing to go out there, and it might take doing a one-year deal like some of these guys are like willing to do. Go out and do a one-year $6 million deal or whatever it is, because I guarantee he probably wants $12 million a year or something like that, and teams don't want to pay that. And not to mention, at this point, too, how many teams have that to pay? 
after all the spending that they've done. Yeah. But it's just, so go back to Seattle, right? I mean, there was, there was some rumors and reports about that and it wasn't at the, an exorbitant amount of money. Why, why won't the Seahawks bring him back? Is he, you know, are there questions about his character? Is he like not a great teammate or is it just purely that it's a lot of money to spend on a guy who's inconsistent statistically? I mean, I'm just confused about this one because I think Clowney's good. And if I was Seattle, I would have locked him up immediately. Uh, maybe not at the exact money he was asking for, but I would have spent some money to keep him because he was impactful for you last year. But I don't know. Maybe there's more to the story that we don't know yet. And yeah. we'll, we'll maybe we'll find out. There there might be some guys that they like on the on the back end, cheaper, younger, that they like a little bit more. I think they can get more out of. Or uh, uh, One thing is you haven't found somebody that's really, truly been able to unlock Clowney. Like you've seen sparks from him, you've seen moments, but nobody's unlocked uh, Steve Spurrier him. unlocked him. <laughs> All right, let's break. Coming up next, hate it or love it. First, Jesse has a Sports Center update. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. All right. Hate it or love it time. It's just me and Jesse today. And Jesse has already teased that he's got some hot video game questions because Rashad likes sports games only and doesn't play anything else. So he's got some video game questions because Rashad is out today. Yeah. So it'll be, a, it'll be a bit of a more open-ended conversation in that sense. Yeah, well, I, we're going to skip the points today. That's fine. Um, you've already won. Great. Uh, already going to throw your, your winner music bed in there and everything. But uh, we'll fantastic. just go ahead and just let you know you already won. And we'll skip the music or, or the uh, the noises or whatever. But uh, we'll, we'll start with the in the world of sports. And... Uh, there's a guy out there like I should just say let's start with the team the LA Rams which really haven't done a whole lot here in free agency other than like get rid of players yeah they're clearing yeah, they're, all their salary cap <laughs> clearing players out but they're not really bringing players in and the latest person to kind of be out there on the market is a uh, receiver Brandon Cooks which I don't know if you've seen his contract it's a pretty big contract is it big it's yeah. pretty big anyways but uh, but he's out there on the market and one of those players that's been actually pretty or franchises that's been pretty active in the trade market this offseason is the Denver Broncos. Been, been doing mm-hmm. things, getting some reliable been. veterans via via trades in the uh, offseason here and uh, love or hate the Denver Broncos who do have a need at wide receiver should go ahead and make that trade for Brandon Cook. Has there been any rumors tying them? Or is it just you saying because they have the need and you're a Broncos fan? Mm, they've talked about it a little bit there in Denver. I mean, I I, I, I love it. I, I would have no qualms about putting Brandon Cooks on the Broncos. They do need another good receiver. Cortland Sutton's good, but still young, and there's not a lot of trust there. So, or not full trust there. And you need someone who has who's a bit of a veteran to help a young quarterback in Drew Locke. That is the thing is the Broncos have no veterans on the receiver core at all. It's just young guys. And, you know, getting rid of Emmanuel Sanders last year was smart at the time. But when you think about it, that was the only vet they had on the team. So, yeah, why not? The only the only concern that I have is that Cooks keeps getting traded. Cooks is good. We all love him here because he played for the Beavs and he's he's obviously been a good receiver. But what is this? This is like third team now. And he's constantly getting moved. 
Yeah. So outside of the fact that the Rams are trading him because of his contract and also because they've got Robert Woods and, and Cooper Cup, they've got guys they can replace that that production with. And Josh Reynolds was a good third receiver or fourth receiver as well. Um, why is he getting traded over and over again? Is he good but not great? Does he not fit in the locker room? Is his skill set not exactly compatible with most teams at this point? Um, or is he or his his skill set easier to acquire cheaper and have a close to even amount of what he would do? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I mean, there's, there's clearly something with his game that people are willing to give up on because he's been moved a lot. But if I was the Broncos, yeah, why not? Give it a chance. He's a great receiver. I just couldn't do it because he just, uh, for the very reason of what you said, like all these teams just can't pass him around like that girl in a group that everybody kind of likes but doesn't really want to date. Right. You know? And they're like, oh, yeah, no, dude, she's hot, man. She seems really nice. And the guys are like, yeah, I'll, go ahead. I'll trade her to you or whatever. <laughs> right. And then, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait a minute. This girl's got this going on and this going on and this going on and this going on time to bail and the next thing you know it's like man i'm so invested how do i bail as a bronco fan i can't just from the fact that you're looking at this coming season a 16.8 million dollar salary cap hit 17.8 the year after that and then 17.4 the following year. Well, You're just trade at, him if it doesn't work yeah, out. Just trade him! <laughs> at some point, the trade's gonna stop work because everybody's gonna figure out that that chick's not all she's cracked up to be. And this text says, doesn't he have some concussion issues as well? He does. Yeah, he does. He's suffered oh, what is it, three that have been reported or something like that? But yeah, so he does have some concussion issues. When you're when, when there's smoke, there's fire, man. And the, the smoke is, man, this guy's been just passed around the league. Been passed around the league. He's going to give somebody COVID nineteen. <laughs> um. All right. Let's move on to some video game talk. Hell yeah. Let's do it. Well, let's do it. All right. Uh. We we were. Uh, I think this is going to be a good a good one because. Um. When I got into video games, it was all about the campaign mode. Yep. And as I got on and you know, online and started playing online mode, then it started being like, oh, it's kind of about the online mode. But then I started realizing it was more about the game, maybe, or maybe not. Maybe I like the online mode better. Maybe I like the campaign mode better. Some games just do one or the other better. Call of Duty being the one that does online way better than the campaign. Mm. Those campaigns are terrible. Well, they see. Uh, yes. Modern Warfare 1, Modern Warfare 2 were amazing. Well, I'm just going to go out and say those, those campaigns were great. And then after that, it just turned into this machine where they just keep pumping stuff out. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It wasn't any good or whatever. But and they play like it's like six hours total. But a lot of people like play one or the other. Love or hate. Online mode is better than campaign mode. Ooh. Uh, well, I'm going to say love. And this is a very personal reaction for me because um, I have a lot of friends from online mode that I keep to this day. And it's a great way to be social when you're a lonely only child in high school <laughs> that uh, wants to play Halo 2 a lot. And um, I met a lot of great friends and it, it really helped me socially when I was going through some issues when I was in high school. Um, plus, it's a way to stay connected with friends in real life too. Uh, camp mo campaign modes are great and there are single player games out there that are absolutely phenomenal. Um, a couple of my favorites from recently include The Witcher 3. Wild Hunt is my favorite game of all time now. It's incredible. I thought Horizon New Dawn or Zero Dawn, Horizon Zero Dawn on PlayStation was a really good single player game. I don't know if you played that one. That was also really good. Um, recently, uh, God of War, fantastic. And I have to finish it, but with the parts that I played, it was absolutely fantastic. There's a lot of value you get out of that, but when it's over, it's over. 
when you play the online games, you get the replayability constantly as long as the game is still active. I mean, I played Halo 2 for like four years straight without changing games. I never did. And then Halo 3 came out and was average. But, you know, I played that as well. Nowadays, so many games come out, it kind of cycles faster. But online for me is better, for sure. Yeah, I... Um, I remember the moment where I kind of started switching over and, and uh, it, my favorite game of all time, uh, Resistance Fall of Man, PlayStation 4, uh, 3, a launch title, uh, um, an exclusive. And if you've never played it, it is amazing. I think it's their kind of their version to go up against Halo at the time. And their one, the campaign was phenomenal, but the online mode was equally as good if not better and i'd never played a game where both modes were as good as that and i'd never been online before and really realized that the the distances of socializing that it can take you is i was playing with people on the other side of the globe on a regular basis and thought that was the coolest thing for like six months i had like these guys i was playing with from like england on like three or four times a week and from like Australia and New Zealand and just all over the globe, these connections that you can make, and they might be brief and they might last, but the fact is that you have these connections with people that you never would have just because of an online campaign game is just that that to me makes it all that much better than just a campaign. And there are negatives to it, of course. There are a bunch of jerks on there and there's a lot of negativity and racism and craziness um, that exists. I think for those of us who grew up in the online gaming world, we've kind of become desensitized to it and just understand that it's part of it right and just ignore it and there's ways to ignore it better now but if you were to enter the online gaming world now i think it'd be a little bit more like uh why are you using the n-word why are you saying this to me yeah it's a little bit more shocking whereas i think back then maybe this is just like oh get off my lawn kind of mentality but back then it was like it was strange that it was happening but it was just kind of part of what some people did and it was stupid you just kind of dealt with it and it was just a different world back then but there are negatives to it but no i mean lifelong friends i've made lifelong friends playing online games absolutely you know when, when i first got the vr headset for the playstation i i noticed that that community online was a lot more like what i remember as well when i first started getting online and playing is it was more about playing together and playing in, like getting together with your crew and running around as opposed to just constantly talking trash and yeah and teabagging the, the people that you, you <laughs> right. shoot or whatever. Right? I think there's like certain it. games that are more susceptible to that kind of stuff too. You know, the, the super popular free games, Fortnite, looking right. at you. If it's free and anybody can play it, oh, you're going to get the whole world of bad people on there. Yes. <laughs> All right, that's, that's going to do it for us for this uh, segment. We got a break here. Only two questions, but some good gaming discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do want to bring up the, the tweet that I'd made earlier as well as uh, get back to the TV show question from the beginning of the show. Next, as we wrap up Sword of Sports Sunday on The Fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Speaking of gaming, I think if we go to Fox right now, the iRacing NASCAR race is happening. Yeah, eNASCAR iRacing Pro Series on right now. 
It actually looks real if you look at it for the most part. It actually looks like real NASCAR, which is kind of cool. It's just iRacing instead. And I think it I think it might actually be I could be wrong, but it might actually be real NASCAR drivers racing the cars virtually. I think I saw something like last week that they were doing. And uh, yeah, throw on Fox Sports 1 right now, Jesse. You'll see it. It's pretty interesting. 723. Um, we, we teased this earlier and we never got to it, so I'll do it briefly here. The shows that you should watch if you've uh, been running out of your shows. This one came in. I didn't know this was actually made into a show. It's on Hulu. It's 112263. It's based on the Stephen King book about the uh, JFK assassination, which was a fantastic book, by the way. Um, so I definitely will, will check that out on Hulu. Um, this text says, uh, I love the show Jericho from 2008. I'm not sure if it's on Netflix anymore, but uh, I would watch that. And then also Stranger Things came in. That's a show I never watched. And I think now that I've got a lot of time to watch shows, uh, I will try Stranger Things out because I've heard it's quite good. Uh, yeah, no, um, I believe Jericho, as I recall, was one of those uh, shows that they canceled after one season. And it might have been like one of the first shows they actually brought back after a petition. And they didn't do a full season. They did about another six episodes to wrap it up. But it was definitely an interesting series that probably was uh, cut before, you know, it it should have been. Um, both of those actually were good shows that, that you mentioned. Just the eleven twenty two one you watched that one too. Was that? Oh, Stranger Things. Is Stranger Things, yes. Yeah, eleven twenty two. Uh, was it sixty three? Yeah, that's a really good one too. Apparently, that book is great. And then in terms of the gaming thing that I had brought up, it's going around Twitter. The four games that defined you growing up. The four games I put on there: Super Mario All Stars from Super Nintendo, Halo Two, Witcher Three, Wild Hunt, and Overwatch are the four games that probably have most defined my gaming career and my gaming life. Um, Super Mario All-Stars, I remember I, that was one of the first games I ever got, and my dad would play it with me, and we would play through, like, the original Super Mario Brothers, and he actually made it to the very last Bowser's Castle and died. I remember watching him play, and he was so frustrated he never played the game again because <laughs> we, we didn't use any of the warp zones. I'm pretty sure he just legitimately played through all the, the entire game and um, died at the last Bowser's Castle and was like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not going through all eight worlds again. I'm not doing it. Um, Halo 2 was the first game I played online, and I had a very similar experience that you did. I remember playing. I was on Ivory Tower, for those of you who played the games. First game I ever played. Just walking around going, oh, my God, I am playing with other people who are not sitting next to me. It was that thought of, like, this is really happening. I just shot at somebody who's playing in a different state or country from me across the across the globe and it's working and we could talk to each other and it was the most mind-blowingly cool thing that i ever had ever experienced witcher 3 I, i've talked about probably on the show before is my favorite single player game of all time it's it's a new game uh the show the witcher on netflix is based on the books and game series um it is a fantastic single player rpg and then overwatch is the most recent competitive game that i got really into i've basically stopped playing it because it's not as good anymore but for a year or two Oh boy, was I into that game. I was watching Overwatch League. I was playing with my friends every single night. It was a really big deal. So those are the four games that define me. Feel free, you can find it on Twitter, at Mike Lynch 27 You can quote tweet it and put your own four games in there uh, if you are a gamer and interested as well. We got a text that said Destiny was uh, the most recent game that roped him in. Yeah, got, one, I've spent many 100 hours playing that one. We got Donkey Kong Country, GoldenEye, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, Red Dead Redemption. We got Mario, Tecmo Bowl, Final Fantasy, and World of Warcraft, Donkey Kong, Defender, GoldenEye, Mario Kart. So you're more of a classic gamer there, sir, I can tell. Um, yeah, 
Everyone. That's a good one. Gamers are coming in. Gamers are coming in. My mom texted me. She goes, no Guitar Hero? I was really good at Guitar Hero and Rock Band, but no, it did not make the cut. It's tough to pick only four, but I did love those two games. I was very good at them. There you go. That's it for Sort of Sports Sunday today, and it was truly a Sort of Sports Sunday today, and we will continue being that all the way through until we get back to sports. Um, That's going to do it for us. We'll see you next week, and have a very good rest of your weekend. This one's for Pat! This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.